Hello and welcome back to Catching Up on Capitol Hill, a series in which we discuss the latest in tax legislation and in tax policy. I'm your host, John Gimigliano. Welcome to today's episode where we plan to spend the entire session on really one topic related to the Biden tax plan, specifically his plan to raise taxes. And that topic is timing. You know, we often spend our time on this podcast talking about the big picture, often the really big picture. But today, let's go a little bit in the opposite direction. Why don't we just spend this episode parsing just two sentences? Yes, just two sentences. One sentence from the Secretary of Treasury, Janet Yellen, something she said in her Senate confirmation hearing. And then one sentence from Assistant Secretary of Tax Policy at Treasury, Mark Mazur, something he said at an ABA conference. Both of these statements got a lot of press in the last week or so, and both are something that many who are wary of tax increases have taken comfort in. So one question we'll try and get to is, can they take comfort in these statements? So with no further ado, let me just read these two sentences, and then we're going to break them down. So first, from Janet Yellen in her confirmation hearing, she said, quote, our focus right now is not on tax increases. It's on programs to help us through the pandemic, end quote. Our second sentence is from Mark Mazur, spoken at an ABA conference, is, quote, given where we are in the economy, it is unlikely that we will see Congress enact revenue raisers in the short run, unquote. So, okay, to break these down, let me start with you, Tom. So let's just go back um, to Yellen's comment. And she said, uh, again, you know, we're, we're focused on programs to help us through the pandemic. I have a pretty basic question. I don't know if this is answerable, but I'll ask you anyway. When does the pandemic end? For health purposes, who knows? For tax purposes, I think what Yellen is saying is, for the moment, the focus is on the first bill that's uh, about to begin its way through Congress. This is Biden's relief bill, which provides uh, $1.9 trillion of immediate relief in the form of unemployment benefits and checks and all of that. Longer term, I think what she's talking about after the pandemic, at least the plan at the moment, is looking at a larger recovery bill, is how they describe it, an infrastructure bill. They probably plan to begin 1-1-21, where tax provisions would become effective. All, of course, subject to events changing that continuation of the pandemic well beyond what anyone expects or something else that can happen between now and then. That's the plan, and you know that hopefully explains what I think is the language that they're using. If I heard what you said, and it makes sense to me, is if anybody was taking comfort in this statement and saying, good, until the pandemic is over, they're not going to raise taxes. That's not what she's saying. To go back to specifically, we said our focus currently is on programs to help us through the pandemic. That could be as soon as they pass this phase one recovery bill, when they will have enacted these programs to help us through the pandemic, and then they could then potentially, based on what Yellen has said, a strict reading of what she said, then focus on the potential of raising taxes. Is that what you're saying, Tom? Yeah, that's right. I mean, yeah. one thing that it will say is that, you know, this is not a situation like 1993 when some retroactive tax increases were enacted when the driving force was reducing the deficit, which was viewed as out of control when it was about a third of what it is now. That's not the, the current attitude. So, you know, I think now we're looking more toward the future and something farther down the road. Right. And so, Jen, let me come to you in terms of what the secretary said. So what do you think it means? Does that mean that we will not have any taxes as long as they're working on the pandemic or in terms of enactment? How do you see this playing out then specifically with taxes? 
I know that a lot of folks have been trying to get some comfort with those words. When I see that testimony, when I read it, when I look at Yellen's comments and Mazur's comments, for me, it's exactly, you know, kind of what you indicated, right? That you have two boxes that need to be checked. One is that rescue box, that $1.9 trillion bill that Tom was talking about. And it is not expected that that will include tax increases. However, neither one of those statements takes them completely off the table, right? It says that it is unlikely, not not going to happen, right? That has not been identified as a line in the sand that will not be crossed. The next piece is you can certainly have in the second bill, right, in that recovery piece, tax increases that while they may be enacted this year, won't be effective until next year, right? And also when they specifically said there was that statement about tax increases, well, is that on a net basis? Or is that any increases at all? Because as Tom mentioned, you know, some of the second bill, there are tax expenditures like tax credits and other tax spending that is paired with tax increases that could easily satisfy that statement. If you do have this combination of expenditures and raisers on net, you're not increasing taxes overall. Well, Jen, anybody listening that was taking solace in what Yellen said, I think you've just ruined their day because you just basically destroyed the notion that don't worry, we're not going to get taxes this year. Hey, I would like to feel really comfortable with that, but things happen, right? At the end of the day, and there may be a need for tax raisers. So coming back to what you said then, A, the COVID situation could remain really, really challenging into the spring, and we can still see Congress enact tax increases in this difficult part of the COVID situation, and that would not necessarily undo what the Secretary said by saying, well, they're effective in January, and so, yes, we enacted it now, but we haven't raised taxes because they're not effective, is your point. And then the other point, which is a really good one, are we talking about a net tax increase? Can we offset it with direct spending or other things to make it not a net tax increase? Lots of wiggle room in that comment. Very good. All right, well, let's come back to what Mr. Mazur said, the Assistant Secretary, Tax Policy at Treasury. The thing that Mark said is, given where we are in the economy, it is unlikely that we will see Congress enact revenue raisers in the short run. So what does he mean, where we are in the economy? What's he referring to there, number one? And number two, if that means the economy can't handle tax increases, well, then what's it going to take for the economy to handle tax increases, Tom? Overall, I mean, the economy is one of the unpredictable factors in any of this. We're currently in a recession. It's kind of an odd recession in that it's a recession that affects only part of the economy where the rest of the economy is doing fairly well. The conventional wisdom, though, which may prevail is that, you know, in a recession, you don't increase taxes. Whether or not you know, that's actually true, and especially whether it's true if you couple a tax increase with spending on the other side, that's you know, equal or greater, where you may actually have a stimulative effect on the economy. So it's kind of hard to parse what he's saying, but at the moment, at least, and you know, unless there's some drastic change, I don't think they anticipate the economy preventing them doing something beginning in, in 1-1-22. And in fact, you know, some economists, of course, are predicting once the pandemic itself is under control, we may see a quite a boom in the economy as sort of pent-up demand is unleashed. So I think all this still indicates generally, you know, they're planning around one one twenty two for this to start taking effect. So just to parse this again a little bit more. So he's saying unlikely we will see Congress enact revenue raisers in the short run. So 
how short is the, the short run? You know, I mean, Mark is a very accomplished and respected economist. The economists think about the long run and the short run. Of course, we all know where we are in the long run. I won't go there, but in the short run. So is he saying in the next month or two? And I guess what you're saying is his expectation is that because the economy hopefully will have turned the corner by the time we get to 2022. Yeah, I think he's talking about when he says enact, I don't think he means passing Congress or certainly proposed in Congress. I think he's talking about when it would actually take effect. Take effect. Yeah, which is more next year. That makes more sense to me. That's right. That's right. Okay. Jen, let me then ask you, if the economy is a concern and we still want to raise tax revenue and therefore we're going to the menu of things potentially in the Biden tax plan, if effect on the economy is a concern, and by the way, we've heard this from different quarters, including on Capitol Hill, that there is a little reluctance potentially to raise taxes that might jeopardize what could be a nascent or a fragile recovery. Are all tax increases created equally? I mean, are some more likely to have a negative impact on the economy than others? What do you think about that? I know that when you were enacting the TCJA and drafting it, you thought a lot about the economic effect of tax provision. So what do you think about in this context? Ooh, that is a really good question because, you know, that is kind of the rebuttal to tax increases are likely. The But wait, you know, what about the economy? Well, tax increases are not created equal. There are certain tax increases that on a macro basis will impact the economy and others that don't really have a, a significant negative impact. Senate policymakers and House policymakers might view perhaps a corporate rate increase as having more of a negative impact than, for instance, an individual rate increase. That would specifically target high earners versus business enterprises. However, I will note that even though you do have this hierarchy of standalone provisions and how they impact the economy, how tax increases are bundled with other tax expenditures does make a significant difference. If you have the corporate rate increase, whether you're going all the way up to 28%, or some lower figure, but it is an increase, you can certainly offset that uh, macroeconomic impact by pairing it with a revenue expenditure, like a expensing provision or you know, a business tax credit of some sort that spurs the economy that could largely offset that macroeconomic impact from the negative tax increase. Such a good point because you're right. It's so easy to think about these things in a silo. Remember, they interact with each other, all the things in the Biden plan. And then we're really asking, what's the net impact of a large bill? And not only tax benefits that you could, for example, bonus depreciation has long been viewed as a stimulative pro-growth policy. But remember, if this is inside an infrastructure bill that is going to spend trillions of dollars into the infrastructure sector, creating jobs and other things, Even though the tax increases might be net negative, the bill overall might be net positive. So really complicated analysis to do. And then the other thing I'll say here, even as it relates to tax measures, we've debated this a lot and we've done episodes on this. For example, on the corporate side, if you have to choose between the corporate rate and raising the guilty rate, I don't know which of those potentially would be more negative for the economy and which ones might be less. I don't know. But that's why they're going to have the economists, the economists in Treasury, the economists on the Joint Committee of Taxation and others will be hard at work trying to answer that question. And it's a good it's a good point, Jim. All right. Last question. With all due respect to Secretary Yellen and Assistant Secretary Mazur, both who have had long distinguished public careers, How much say do they really have in this matter in the end as to what tax increase will be enacted when? 
Well, let me go first, because I'm going to probably disagree with you to X Hill type. <laughs> <laughs> right. That tends to happen. Yeah, I kind of see them having a bigger role in this. Don't think of it so much as Mazur and Yellen, but, you know, the Biden administration. I'm thinking back to times like in the 80s and early 90s when we saw a lot of tax policy emerging from the Treasury Department, which means from the administration, like the 86 Act, especially with the margins as thin as they are in Congress, although Congress will clearly play a role in sort of massaging what comes out of the administration to get all the votes they need to get because they need to get all the Democratic votes if they don't get Republican votes. Nevertheless, I see this more as a top-down exercise where Biden will be using the bully pulpit and the capital he has as the incoming president to dictate the general direction of the tax bill, if not all the details. You know, I think you're partly right, because I do think that because of the slim majorities in both the House and the Senate, you are going to need some leadership from the administration to kind of define the contours of a tax policy agenda. However, you know, if we're talking about reconciliation bills, the structure of those bills, the tax provisions that are included, what is excluded is going to be directly driven by dollars and cents. And that is going to be all within the hands of the tax writing committees, leadership, and the budget committees. There isn't going to be much room for error. Can't lose a single vote, which is going to put more pressure on the dollars and cents and take some of the pressure off of that overarching policy that the administration may be pushing. And at the end of the day, I would think that the administration is willing to bend to those very practical needs from Congress. I agree with both of you to a certain extent. As we remarked here on this podcast several times, you know, the best tax policy in the world is meaningless without the votes. And so, yes, technical skills of the people of Treasury are usually excellent, and they usually do a great job of coming up with tax technical proposals. But often they can't survive the rigors of the political process. And yes, I think both can be right to an extent. I also think to a, to a certain extent as well, Tom, that what you pointed out was correct, that Back in the day, Treasury had a larger role, but I do think that Capitol Hill tax writing staff have become more sophisticated over the years. When I was there, and in the case of both Jen and myself, we all had worked in private practice for a long time and were relatively accomplished tax professionals before getting there versus, I think, historically, there was just Capitol Hill staffers who probably had never opened the Internal Revenue Code who relied very heavily on Treasury. But the last thing I'll say, coming back full circle again, is you know I'm disagreeing with myself as I go. Treasury is never going to be more influential in building a bill than they are in the first bill of the first year of an administration. This is when Biden has the most political capital to spend and that the Hill is probably going to listen more than they ever would. So coming back to the question, how much influence do Yellen and Mazur have in the matter? Some. How much? Mm -hmm. We'll have to see. Well, that's all for this week. If you are thinking to yourself, really, John, you just dedicated an entire episode to two random sentences out of the thousands uttered by Yellen and Mazur, and why would you focus on just these two? Let me just say that from experience, these kind of comments are not accidents or off-the-cuff declarations. A confirmation hearing like the one Yellen was in is usually carefully scripted, and I cannot imagine that the secretary or others in the administration would not have anticipated that exact question. And in fact, the questions themselves are often scripted to be posed by friendly senators. So yes, as it relates to these comments, there probably is more here than necessarily meets the eye. And I hope our thoughts on these were helpful to you this week. With that, thanks again for tuning in to Catching Up on Capitol Hill. 
Take care, and I hope to see you soon.